This is Ashley Ramsey with the Slay the Giants podcast, the show where we slay our giants and conquer our fears. You will hear from myself and some amazing experts on subjects that matter most to you. Through their stories, you will be empowered and enlightened. Are you ready to slay your giant? Come on, let's go. Hey, Slay the Giant family. It is such a blessing to be a or have you be a part of our podcast again. Uh, welcome back to this discussion on cancel culture. Um, as you know, I have my brother and friend, uh, Pastor Mo, um, and they are, he and his wife are um, great friends of mine, and they are in Georgia uh, pastoring uh, at Stevens Creek uh, Church. They're one of the pastors there, um, as well as, you know, he's a doctoral student, um, we're both Lee graduates, Lee unit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's going to talk a little bit about himself, but, um, I'm so glad to have him on today. Um, cause I believe that he will be able to share and, um, give wisdom on some topics that I believe, um, on a, a topic that I believe is so relevant to culture right now and something that everyone is talking about. And I think we need to have a bub- biblical perspective on it. So welcome, Pastor Mo. What's going on, um, Ash? I am grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be with the Slay the Giant family for part two of Cancel Culture. Uh, the last one, we dropped some some real good information, and I, um, I'm ready for round two. Absolutely. I'm ready for round two as well. I wanted to kind of open up. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know that I gave yeah. my... Uh, you know, little biography, but I want you to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing um, and yeah. even things I didn't mention. So um, I am uh, I'm married and I got two uh, wonderful baby boys. One of them is not sleeping. He's five months old um, and yeah, all the things, but um, <laughs> I am a pastor. I am a, a leader, I, I'm a speaker, uh, I'm a doctoral candidate um, at Anderson University in South Carolina. Um, I love Jesus. I love people. And um, I'm here to um, be a part of um, places that look like heaven, um, to build bridges, to connect folks who uh, don't normally connect, and uh, to really tear down walls of separation and let the gospel be what Christ has always intended it for to be the hope for humanity. Excellent. Excellent. And I believe that you embody that, especially in all of the work that you're doing right now. And, and even, you know, as you progress in ministry, I believe that that God's hand is going to be on your life for, for that bridging of the gap. Absolutely. So we've been talking a little bit about cancel, cancel culture. And um, we talked a lot about grace and we talked a lot um, just about, you know, being forgiving and being that Barnabas in people's lives and, you know, kind of standing in, in the gap. But one of the things that often comes up when we talk about grace is this whole concept of cheap grace. Yeah. You know, it's extending grace um, according to, um, you know, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he gave a definition of it. Um, and he said that cheap grace seeks to hide the cost of discipleship from people. Um, cheap, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
He also said, he said the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipleship, communion without confession. Yeah. He's one of my favorite writers. Um, And he was uh, one of the Christians who tried to kill Hitler (laughs) because he felt Hitler was um, rightfully so was wrong for uh, the German country. And he was martyred because of that. Um, but he had a strong faith and he had a grace-filled faith, but it wasn't cheap grace. And I think to his point, um, grace is cheap when um, the grace bestowed does not require repentance at some point. All right. Um, Jesus bestowed grace, but there was always this sin no more. Right. He he said to Peter, hey, you you come too. I know you failed me, but he takes Peter aside and, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. There is this moment of him recalibrating and being restored back. And I, I think um, I think the pendulum swings too far each way. Um, you either have people who are hyper judgment or hyper grace. And I think Jesus was the balance of a hundred percent grace and a hundred percent truth and truth requires discipleship. And so I think really grace becomes cheap when we excuse habitual behavior. Wow. Wow. That's good. And I like that you pointed out that grace becomes cheap when there's not a, there's no repentance, right? Yeah. So here's my question to you. We have so many people um, this year who we've canceled over the last couple of years, who <laughs> even in the body of Christ, we've canceled, right? I'm going to call some names like your John Gray, your Derek mm-hmm. Jackson, your Leandria Johnson, you know, Kirk Franklin, even folks were trying to cancel him, but the church was like, no, we, we like his songs too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but like- We got grace for him. <laughs> they got grace for him, right? Because they need his music. Um, and ironically, just want to put that out, put, put this out there. Like every time I, I do this thing where I talk to my uh, Alexa, and I say, Alexa, oh, she's going to turn on. Um, I tell it to play gospel music. And uh, sometimes, um, you know, it'll go di- that Well, during that week when everything was happening, it goes directly to Kurt Franklin music. I was like, oh, so <laughs> Amazon has an agenda here. All right, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, when you think about someone like a John Gray, right, who, you know, society had canceled, even just, you know, when you think about he was on the talk, you know, he had two public um, things that came out about him, you know, regarding emotional affairs. Um, but the church was ready to be like, nope, we don't want to hear from John Gray anymore. And I'm sure, that, you know, there were engagements that were lost and all that stuff. But is it important for someone like a John Gray or someone who is a preacher who has that, you know, public um, status? Is it important for them to make a public apology or repent publicly to people? Or, you know, is that something that he just should go before God and his wife? You know, what what do you think about that? Because yeah. I, I know I, that, you know, that's where cheap grace comes in. So um, a lot of things. Um, first, I think people respond based on their hierarchy of sin, right? So our grace is predicated on what we view as a bad sin and what we view as an acceptable sin. 
right? The unspoken rumor in church is that church folk cuss. Um, and so nobody was really threatened by a Kirk thing because ours just wasn't caught on tape kind of thing. And so there are levels of acceptance of grace for things. And for some reason, sexual sin is the big taboo, the no-no um, that folks have got their eye on and really um, established that. In my opinion, um, if it, um, David says to you, O Lord, um, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight? He doesn't say it to Uriah, who he sinned against, uh, which I do think if Uriah was alive, he should have apologized and made it right with him. I'm not excusing that, but you are responsible first to the Lord. Um, that is who you are responsible to. But I think there is something to be said about how it's exposed should probably match how you respond. So if it is a private matter, I don't think anybody else needs to know about it. If But when it becomes public, you probably need to address that public situation. I know everybody thinks differently on that, but um, I think there should be some reciprocity on how that works. So if it's something in your local body of your church, then just deal with it in your local church. If it's something that is all over the news, you probably need to address it in a way that is broad and open. Um, and if it's something that is just between you and your wife or you and your husband, then you just address it there at that particular level. Um, but that's my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we also have to be mindful that in, in, a, in a world where, you know, especially in the body of Christ, we put people up on these high pedestals. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think to some extent, you know, when you are a leader, when you're a pastor, you're in the forefront, there is a level of responsibility to live a certain way, to live yes. holy and acceptable before God, because, you know, you are making disciples through Christ example, right? So we got to live and walk like Christ. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes we put people on a pedestal to the point where we make them as many gods and we don't really look to people at, you know, as they are human um, and they're going to mistake to make mistakes. And if we put our confidence in man, as we should be putting that confidence in God, we're going to, they're going to miss the mark every time because they're yes. human. Um, and so I think that's the mistake that a lot of people in the in the pews make. But I think it's also important that leaders um, take their responsibility seriously enough to say, hey, I made a mistake. I did this. And here are the steps that I'm taking to recover from this so that this does not happen again. You know, and, and what made me think about, you know, uh, Pastor John Green, I don't want to talk about it much more, but um, it was the incident that happened back to back. I think a lot of folks kind of canceled him from going to the White House. You know, that that the moment he went <laughs> to the White House, like folks were like, I'm done. And then this other stuff came out. They were like, I was really done. But we've restored him now. You know, he's he's been restored, you know. <laughs> Here's my point. Who are we to restore him? Like yeah, exactly. that, like uh the cancel and the restoration like yeah I we have the ministry of reconciliation but to think that we are in a Position to determine whether or not someone can be used of God is really a dangerous place to be. And uh, we got to be careful that we don't end up like Haman, 
and we end up building yes. something that we get. Gather uh, for and that's, uh, that's the issue with, um, uh, I forget the man named Jax or. Yeah, um, Derek Jackson. Darren Jackson. He, he literally built his own system that destroyed him by right. criticizing and going after other people and not showing other people grace. When his moment in the sun came, people were ready to pounce. And I mean, um, Twitter and Instagram blew up with that story yeah. um, and really put his wife through through some serious, um, you know, probing and, and all kinds of things because all kinds well, of videos came out me. about that. Yeah, that I was couldn't have been sitting there. No, <laughs> that was a lot. It was really Woo. tough. Um, but yeah, like totally, he was totally canceled, um, just based off of the fact that all of these different allegations kept coming out, um, regarding him. And, you know, the fact of the matter is God has grace for Derek Jackson too. Amen. Um, I know folks are like, nope, you know, he did this and, you know, he's doing that, but there's grace for him too, as long as he's, you know, open to repenting and coming back to God. I mean, there's grace for him. And I think we have to be mindful of that, you know, even thinking about, you know, what you mentioned about Kirk Franklin, it's like, we want to, we, we choose who we want to forgive, you know, Kirk Mm -hmm. has made some of the best hits and, you know, you can't have a cookout without having some stomp or, you know, (laughs) or an event without having a Kirk Franklin song, because, you know, it's going to be, his songs are popping. They're great. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have to be willing to extend grace to everyone because that's what God would want us to do. Um, it's not to cancel. It's not to throw anyone away. Um, but we have to be willing to say, you know what, even that person, even them, mm-hmm. right? Even them, I'm going to extend grace to them. Um, and that's what Christ would do. It's not easy now. And sometimes no. it takes time to process whatever happened, whether it was hurt, whether it was um, uh, an offense, because the offense is definitely something that will make someone decide I'm going to cancel somebody else. Yeah. But whatever it is, we have to be open to the grace of God and hearing the voice of God and walking in obedience so that we can really, 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 really be what the word of God is saying we should be. Um, yeah. I think that challenges um and i think we said this in the first session um a little bit but i want to expand on it is i just don't think we are honest about our failings i think we have a warped view sometimes about our necessity for grace i think because we don't sin like somebody else we think we are better that that's the problem with the prodigal uh the the prodigal son's brother. He lists off what he did in comparison to the other one and doesn't realize proximity doesn't equal intimacy with God, that he was just as lost as his his brother, if not more. And he needed the grace of his father. And I think when we recognize how dependent we are on the grace of God, it will make us so much more accepting and embracing of the fact that, you know what, that person fell, but I, I, how can I help them get up, right? And I, I'm a firm believer of, please do not point your finger and criticize somebody unless you got a handout to help them up, right? Nathan did talk about David, but Nathan was with David 
through the rest of his life and stood with him even after that and as he made it right. So I, I think we have to have an honest, introspective look at the skeletons in our closet and the day-to-day ways that we fail God and how it is necessary for us to have grace. We just dismiss the little white lies that we tell. We dismiss the little things that we do because we didn't do the big sin that we are okay. No, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that your righteousness is like filthy rags that without the grace and mercy of Jesus, where would we be? And when you recognize your need for his grace, you will respond by displaying and giving grace to others. That's so good. Um, There are several things that I heard while you were saying that, you know, even as preachers, you know, one of the things that we struggle with is, you know, being transparent and honest about our own Mm. things that we've gone through. And, you know, that's a show all by itself. So, you know, I've written a book, um, Surrender. It's um, in Amazon by now. You should be able to purchase it by now. But um, within that book, I'm very transparent about some of the things that I have gone through. And so sometimes when you are transparent and honest about some of the things that you've gone through, you kind of grapple with the question of like how much transparency is too much transparency. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that when we are transparent about our issues or flaws or things that we've gone through um, that I'm, I think it's important that we're delivered from it, right? We're out of it before we start (laughs) talking about it. Um, So that was one of the things, the thoughts that came to me is about, you know, being authentic and being true. Even if you don't go public about what you've been through, be authentic and true to God about what you have done. And um, don't pretend like you didn't do what you did. You know what you've Mm -hmm. done and what you've been involved in and who you were involved, all of that stuff you know, is under grace, but you got to be willing to say, Lord, I confess, this is what I've done yes. wrong. And really, you know, make every attempt and effort not to go back into that same thing ever again. Yes. Second thing that kind of dawned on me when you were talking was the fact that when you are going through a public scandal or a public failure, this is when you can identify who your real friends are. Because, okay. you know, in the middle of something like that, you're either going to have people who are going to cling to you or they're going to run from you. They're going to either believe yeah. everything they hear or they're going to, you know, want to be a part of that restoration. And we have to, we just have to decide which one are we going to be, right? Are yeah. we going to be the friend that turns our back on those who have fallen or are we going to be the friend who is the one who supports and loves and, and speaks the word in truth? Um, not saying that we don't tell the truth, right? Because yeah. we have to the truth of the word of God and what, what it is, but at the same time, really extend um, that love of Christ and how we're doing it. And even when we do need to confront somebody, there's a way to do that um, in love, you know, that I've heard of a lot of preachers getting in the pulpit and just saying whatever is happening in the pews. And, you know, we got to extend the same grace that God extends to us, you know, because he could have exposed us. He definitely... Yeah could have pulled, you know, everything from all the skeletons from out of our closet, but he didn't. He decided to extend grace to us. And, you know, that means that we ought to extend grace and, and, you know, remove ourselves from that sin, but also extend grace to other people um, who are in their time of need and and needing grace. Because today they need grace. Tomorrow. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And I, I think that that is the important thing. 
the person you are criticizing on uh, your way up might be the person that needs to keep you on your way down. And um, I was reflecting as we were talking on um, when Jim Baker fell and everybody was talking about him, but nobody more than Jimmy Swagger and just was like, and I wasn't even born really. Um, uh, but hearing those stories and lo and behold, a few months after Jim Baker fall, the same one criticizing him was caught up in the same mess. So if you know you're struggling with something, don't don't be pointing no fingers and calling nobody else out. You just go to your prayer closet and say, Lord, thank you for not exposing me and help me to be, be delivered from this. <laughs> be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Be thank humble. you, uh, Bishop Lamar. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think that's essential. Like, just humble yourself before the Lord and recognize that, like, why is our faith community the only one that kills our own soldiers? And even mm. um, those who are outside, like, for example, with this Satan shoe thing, right? I think it's demonic. I think all of it is wrong. But why was our response to cancel Nike and do all this other stuff instead of saying, you know what? This boy needs prayer. How, how can we extend grace to somebody. And, and I think so many times we feel like we need to defend God. Like he is not mighty and strong all by himself that we are called to present him to others, to be his hands and feet, that he does the transformation, that we get to partner with him. But God was defending himself before you ever came on the scene. And after you exit stage left, God will still be God. And our issue should be souls, not trying to cancel a soul. Yes, it was wicked what he did. Yes, it's wrong. Yes, it's evil. But how do we reach the soul? By canceling him? That We should have had nationwide prayer for him. God, let him know that he's loved by you that he can come out of this. This is not your design, that he does not have to worship the enemy, that um, who the sun set free is free indeed, and we Amen. pray freedom for this man. I, I think it's high time that we start acting like Christ and more like Christ and less like Pharisees. Mm. That's truth. Mic my, my drop, mic drop there. More like Christ and less like Pharisees. Mic drop. Because so often we take the critical approach first. Yes. Right? And b- before even having all the facts. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't know all the details. And we were already saying, well, I'm going to burn my Nikes. What? <laughs> <laughs> then Nike, Nike quickly put out a statement, you know, regarding the shoes. Um, but I think you're right. Like, we have to take the approach of Christ. And I think, you know, I did see on Instagram that there were several pastors who reached out to him. I think his little, his name is Little Nas X. Um, they reached out to him to say, hey, you know, let's figure this out. Like, what's going on? And he did say that he felt like he had been burned by the church and by believers and stuff like that. So I think it's important to, you know, be mindful of how we're treating everyone, how we're loving everyone and how we're... Um, 
you know, even treating them while they're in their sin, you know, while they're yeah. in their their situation until they're delivered. You know, we really need to be mindful of that, you know. Just got to be really careful because we don't want to lose a soul because yeah. of how we are behaving as believers. Yeah, scripture says it's the kindness of God that compels men to repentance, right? Not the judgment of God, not the cancellation of people. It is the kindness of God that compels people to repentance. That's and good. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus and show people God's love. And I, I don't believe in cheap grace. It takes repentance. It takes deliverance. But grace can proceed both of those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in fact, that's normally Jesus's model. He offers grace first, correction second. That's good. Stay there. That's good. Elaborate on that a little bit more because, you know, we we often, you know, the church has their way of doing things. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it's not even presidents in scripture for some of the things that we do, <laughs> the practices that we have, but... Can you talk a little bit more about Christ's model for grace? Yeah, I think um, the woman caught in adultery um, that we talked about the first session is a perfect model for that. It's like, I am going to protect you from people who want to cancel you. And then I am going to restore you or free you from the bondage of sin and um, whatever else that you were dealing with. Um, And I think... It's grace first. I'm going to let you know that you are loved, cared for, defended, and all of the things. And then I'm going to show you the way out of this. I'm going to show you the opportunity that you have to take that next step um, away from that. Uh, Using the analogy you used on part one with the woman, uh, you know, a young girl who's pregnant. Immediately, we want to sit them down. The sin has occurred, right? And you weren't there when the sin happened. Mm. Nothing you can do about this moment stops the sin from happening. It doesn't uh, stop the sin or bring anything back. But what you can do is let that person know that they are loved by God in that moment and disciple them so that they don't end up in the same situation again. So good. That's so good. I think it's a great point to kind of end the, this discussion, um, you know, just thinking about and reflecting on our role and taking personal responsibility for what God has called us to do. And who knows what your purpose is in the life of someone who has fallen from grace? Um, and, you know, who are we to judge? Who are we to cancel? So I want you to be mindful of that today and make a decision on which side of the fence are you going to be? Are you going to be Christ, like Christ, or are you going to be like the Pharisees, like Mo said earlier? Um, you know, make a decision on how you want to be um, perceived and in, in, in what it is you, the, the goal. The goal is to win a soul. So whatever it takes to win that soul, I think that's what we we have to be willing to do and, you know, at any cost, whatever it takes, you know, discipleship costs you something. There's sacrifice. Uh, Mo, do you have any, you know, closing statements that you want to share with our audience? I think it's the same thing that you said is daily seek to be like Christ 
be more like Christ and less like Pharisees. That when you get the option or the opportunity, um, not only read the red letters of Jesus, but the black letters of Jesus. What were his actions? How did he respond to these things? And then read his criticism of how the Pharisees responded and see an opportunity to reach somebody who would have been lost forever, to extend grace to somebody who felt like there was no hope. And um, and I, my prayer is when you sit in the seat of cancellation, that somebody is going to be there to extend you grace like you are extending grace to somebody today. Yeah, and I, something just came to my spirit so that I know that someone is listening today um, and you're under the spirit of condemnation. You have felt the guilt, the shame, and all of those emotions that make you not want to be a part of a church anymore, make you not want to serve any longer. But I want you to know that there's therefore no condemnation to those who are followers of Christ, um, who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. And so I believe that today that you are set free through the power of Jesus Christ. Once you've repented and you said, Lord, I repent, I forgive me for that sin. I believe that, um, Whatever you have done, God can use that to restore you. That can be your testimony. That can be your story. So don't allow condemnation to keep you back from what God has called you to do and be. And um, I think that's something that happens a lot of times in the body of Christ is we do allow condemnation to keep us from whatever God has called us to do. Yeah. So go ahead, Mo. No, I I agree. Um, Condemnation is... Um, the enemy of restoration um, because mm-hmm. condemnation wants to keep you in a cycle of shame, guilt, and regret where conviction wants to get you out of what you were doing. And mm-hmm. condemnation is always from the enemy. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. All right, folks, we're giving you a lot of content. Thank you all for joining us today. I want to encourage you to share this podcast, tell other people that you know, about this podcast, because I believe it's going to bless them. And also, I want you to um, invest in my book, uh, Surrender. It's on app, uh, Amazon, and you can purchase it today. Um, again, leave a review. Tell us about this podcast. Um, you can email me at giantslayersconference at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing all about what you have heard and your feedback. Thank you again and have a blessed day. See you again. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please give us your feedback by leaving a review and let's stay connected. You can follow me on Instagram at she underscore slays underscore giants underscore and Ashley Ramsey on Facebook. Looking forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye.